we're going for real upbeat this week. <laughs> we can try. It's happening. Okay. All right. So w- welcome to Sanity Check, a podcast devoted to staying informed and sane in the time of Trump. I'm Ben, and I'm joined tonight by Mike and Andrew. Yes. Hey. We are recording on the evening of Thursday, March 22nd, 2018. Today is day 426 of The Resistance. If you enjoy what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes, at the Google Play Store, or at our website, sanitycheckpod.com. So um, I think we should start off with the semi-breaking news of the evening, uh, which is that after several weeks of being told it was going to happen, Trump has finally fired H.R. McMaster as the national security advisor and replaced him with uh, everyone's favorite diplomat, John Bolton. So we're all going to die. This guy is bad news. And I'm not even saying that because of his mustache. No, he's a, he's a war hawk of, a, the, of, the, of the most severe caliber. Yeah, I mean, so... He was briefly, as you'll recall, the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations during the Bush administration in late 2005, early 2006. Um, And that was a a recess appointment. And then he resigned as ambassador before there were going to be any Senate confirmation hearings because even the Republicans in the Senate hated him so much that there was no chance of him being confirmed. So is he somebody's guy? Is he like Mercer's guy, Coke's guy? I think he's, he's more his of own an guy. old line neocon. He's I mean, not really. I mean, he's been he's of not... the kind that couldn't get couldn't even get appointed under Bush. He's too extreme. He's just that extreme, but it's his own like personal extreme views. His, I mean, I he came up in the quote unquote diplomacy world under Jim Baker. Um, the the former longtime um, Republican diplomat, um, but even Jim Baker was like really agitating against him being confirmed by the Senate as the ambassador to the UN, and that's a much less important position than the National Security Advisor, um, which unfortunately is not a Senate confirmed position, which confuses me. Like, why is the NSA not? A cabinet level position. Who knows? Here's a want to hear a fun quote from John Bolton regarding the United Nations. Sure. John Bolton says this was uh, in 1994, so from a long time ago. There is no United Nations. There is an international community that occasionally can be led by the only real power left in the world, and that's the United States when it suits our interests, and when we can get others to go along. So that's kind of his view. He's a huge asshole. Yeah, he's very dangerous. Um, Oh, here's another fun one. The Secretariat building in New York has 38 stories. That's the UN General Assembly, the building. If you lost 10 stories today, it wouldn't make a bit of difference. That's really nice. It's just a nice thing to say. It would be fun if he got there now to discover that uh, the U.S. is far from the only major power in the world right now. I mean, uh, I mean we still are the heaviest hitter in the world at the oh, moment. Oh, definitely. Uh, but it's a stupid way to think about things. Well, I mean, he he's also like a has 
at times expressed views about how he thinks with regards to places like Iran and North Korea that rather than diplomacy we should just nuke them he is one he he has said that he believes the North Korea Trump summit would be good because it could fail quickly and then we could get on with having a war with North Korea I mean, That's this the... is one of the worst things that's happened this whole administration. It's one of the scariest to me, Bolton being put in this position, because he's extremely dangerous and very aggressive and hawkish about going to war. And the, I mean, it doesn't seem that... So, you know, Trump is really restocking his cabinet and administration at the moment, obviously. And I, I wouldn't say that I see any particular ideological through line to them um, it seems more that he's doing it on the basis of a he's seen them on tv a lot um, mostly on fox news and b that they are very aggressive combative personalities like that seems to be the main through point to guys like bolton and larry kudlow and um the other people that you see mentioned that you know these these new lawyers that Trump has brought in, um, I mean Trump is clearly attracted to that kind of personality. But yeah, it's hard to disagree that um, that Bolton is not the most dangerous of them. And there's nobody left who can. The only one left in the in the administration who can, I guess there's two, Kelly, and Mattis, Mattis could argue against him if he tried to get Trump to invade North Korea. But that's all that I can see in between him and that outcome. I mean, it, I think it's pretty noticeable how much Mattis has managed to stay out of the news. Mattis is, like, never around. I th and I think that's on purpose. Um, I think that... I think he tries to just kind of stay on the sidelines and keep himself scarce and do his best not to be needed. Uh, yeah, more or less. Well, do his best to like, I assume he's working to keep the military like actually functioning. Oh, sure. And, you know, to make sure that he's around just in case Trump lays any irate calls to, you know, CENTCOM and, tries to put us to some DEFCON level that he shouldn't. He went to Yale Law School. Well, that must mean he's awesome. He became friends there with Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Well, that definitely means he's awesome. Who are we talking about at the moment? John Bolton. It's John Bolton, yeah. Why is it not surprising that he and Clarence Thomas are buddies? I don't know. So anyway, I don't I don't really have a lot to like say about this other than just that I consider it a very dangerous and bad development. Yeah, I mean it's breaking, but it's not surprising. And so, it goes along so. with Trump's growing confidence that he knows how to do the job. You know, like I, they were talking. The, there was some talk on um, on uh, like progressive uh, blogging and cable news today that there are rumors that Trump wants to. Uh, not just fire John Kelly, but not hire a replacement. Just Doesn't want not, a chief of staff. Right, yeah. not have a chief of staff at all. 
um, so that he can control things even more easily. That's a very believable rumor. Here's something Bolton said once. We are confident that Saddam Hussein has hidden weapons of mass destruction. So this, the, the whole thing that's happening now is really reminding me of the time before the Iraq War. Yeah, so he he's coming from running a super PAC, it looks like. Um, I mean, he's been in the wingnut welfare world doing right. a, yeah, a bunch of things. Yeah, he's on Fox News. Of which Mercer was a major donor, and he they did some work with Cambridge Analytica, which I guess we'll get to a little later. Oh, we will, yeah. Yeah, so I'm not sure I think of him as like a Mercer creature. I don't, yeah, I don't think that he's really anybody's creature. I think he is just a crazy man who has his own ideas. Well, but, I mean, I... Yeah, and right. And who, who enjoys getting paid, so if someone's going to pay him, then he'll take Yeah, the in the, right, in like that larger sense, that, that giant whirlpool of corporate money that exists to fund and support right-wing ideology, like, he definitely enjoys that. And but no, it also I, speaks to the ideology of those who would choose to pay him when they know perfectly well what his deal is. I think they like what his deal is. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, you're not wrong, Andrew. Although he's, even for that group of people, he's, he's very extreme. Like, you'll, there are plenty of awful Republicans who will say that he's too extreme. He's, he's He views, it seems, he's never explicitly put it like this, but he seems to view war as a positive good and that you should we should like do it a lot because it is really yeah. just a good thing to do he takes like a kind of a genghis khan approach to diplomacy so does that sort of jive also then with with dowd leaving and trump deciding yeah, so, to get that's get a crazy good... with Mueller? so let's mention that um so yeah this morning i mean this also was not an enormous surprise, but um, I guess the timing of it was, perhaps. Um, Trump's lead personal lawyer, uh, John Dowd, quit. Um, there had been a lot of rumors, particularly after Trump finally mentioned Mueller personally on Twitter and talked about how he thought that Mueller should never have started his investigation and should certainly quit it and, and so on. And clearly this was against Dowd and the uh, at least some of the other lawyers' advice. Um, I mean... I'm yeah. oh, sorry. Well, I was, I was just going to mention, Mike, that we had talked about uh, last week trying to imagine being Trump's lawyer. It would be horrible. But I mean, this seems... The John Dowd... The, the Dowd thing... I mean, I would leave, too, if he, you know, he hired a different lawyer. And apparently Mark Kazowitz is back in. It's not a very subtle message. You know, Trump is... Um, well, he wants to go on the attack, and Dowd has been telling him not to. I'm not like, even I guess sure he, he wants to... I don't, that, that's what I... I don't know, some of that. I think he hired the new guy because the new guy said on TV that he thought Mueller should be fired. And yeah, Trump and, liked and that. Dowd clearly tells Trump that Trump shouldn't say anything about the investigation and he should cooperate. Which is what a competent, any competent right. lawyer would say, would be like, just shut the fuck <laughs> Like Him and uh, Ty Cobb the third uh, represent that side. And then uh, you've got this new guy and Mark Kazowitz and all of the talking heads on Fox who are telling Trump to 
fire Mueller immediately. And Trump likes the idea of that. And Trump also wants to talk to Mueller because he has such supreme confidence in his own abilities for some reason. Because he wants to get him alone in the room and punch him in the face. Maybe. But I, I, I think that Trump legitimately thinks that if he just sat down with Mueller, he could explain to him that uh, he didn't do anything wrong, but if he had done anything wrong, it would have been the right thing to do, and that Mueller will then get it and drop the investigation immediately and make a public declaration that Trump did nothing wrong, and in fact, Trump is the greatest genius in history, and he won Michigan and Wisconsin, and Hillary is a loser. And Russia uh, is the greatest. Right. Um, and his lawyers have been telling him that that's not a good, sound legal strategy. <laughs> That's the sense that I get. Um, it's not good. No, no, I'm very concerned about all of it. So, so Trump not listening has been a, a real theme this week. Um, it became a real serious issue after the sham election that occurred earlier in the week uh, in Russia, uh, re-electing, quote-unquote, uh, Vladimir Putin to another uh, six-year term as president of Russia. I mean, it was like a... Perf- they put on a show of an election. Yeah, it was a complete sham. There was Saddam nothing used to real have elections too. Yeah, well, no, not really. I mean, you can make a, you can do some activities that look like an election, but they aren't real. I mean, it, it, they weren't even subtle about it. I mean, like Reuters reporters who were there, like really easily took pictures and video of people voting at a voting booth and then walking like a hundred feet to another voting booth and just voting again and you know things of that yeah nature. they didn't even make that much of an effort no and so um so trump had to call putin for i don't even know what the reason was I d- i'm sure he didn't have to call him but apparently he had been instructed and then it was written in really large capital letters do not congratulate putin on election because you're not supposed to congratulate dictators when they fake elections and you know do real bad things like that and so trump naturally congratulated him on his terrific victory and um did not do what he had been instructed to do which was to um tell him that he had a lot of concern about the fact that he had just brazenly poisoned this guy in England, along with 20 like innocent British people who happened to get caught in the crossfire. Who do you think wrote that? There's like, is there anybody to advise him on foreign policy at all? Um, traditionally, the person who is in the room in the Oval Office when the president is on the phone with a foreign leader would be the secretary of state and the national security advisor. We don't have a secretary of state currently. Um, So that role was probably unfilled. Um, And apparently this call was not taken in the Oval Office. So it seems likely that H.R. McMaster, who was still national security advisor at the time, was probably not present in the room. But it was probably him and his team who prepared that briefing for Trump ahead of time. I mean, and he's not a moron. He, you know, he, he knows that you're not supposed to congratulate dictators. Uh, I don't know if he 
I mean McMaster, not Trump. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think Trump thinks the dictators are doing things the right way. I think that way of doing things aligns with what he believes, like what his instincts about oh, how no, management definitely. should work. That's what are. he keeps telling us. Yeah, so he's so it makes total sense. He would congratulate him because he'd be like, "You made it. You did a strong perform of strong strength. Good he's perform." Because and that's the same Putin reason the parts that he wishes that he had. And it's the same reason why he didn't wants to make a suit out of them. Condemn him uh, for poisoning the guy in England is because... Plus the P-tape is real. That's the other reason. That was another show of strength. I mean, it, have you noticed how much recently Trump has gotten fixated on um, just wanton murdering of drug dealers? What I've really been noticing is that uh, Trump is a really bad president. And yes, yeah. I've noticed he wants to kill all the drug dealers, although yeah, so, uh, assumedly not the CEOs of the pharma companies who are no. selling all the painkillers. No, like it's just people like drug dealers on the street. He wants to collect them and execute them. Well, well he's he fantasizes Duterte. He yeah. fantasizes about like being Duterte and getting to kick one out of a helicopter. You, Trump loves the idea of killing black people. Let's just let's just be real. <laughs> like, also Hispanics. Yes, but like. I'm Even sure they make great taco bowls. He's like, there's an opioid epidemic. We have to do something about the drug problem. Drug problem equals black people in cities kill all black people. Like for Trump, I feel like those are the steps he goes through. I think your grammar was a little bit upscale for him, but besides that, I'm <laughs> well, I'm not. Bored. I'm not going to descend into the basement of how <laughs> his brain works. Brain in um, quotes for for our listeners. So so the. The other person who was fired since we uh, last spoke was the deputy director of the FBI, Andrew McCabe. Yeah. Oh my God, that was that is, that was like that five was days week. ago. Yeah, good yeah, lord, it, or six days ago. And, and that that's an uh, that's an odd situation. <laughs> it's um, putting it mildly. I mean, not really. It's a it's a. I mean, it's it's clear at any rate. Well, I don't aspects think it's of clear. it are clear. Yeah. Some aspects no? of it are clear. It, it's clear that the, the it inspector was general motivated. report is what's not clear. Right. The, the, choosing to ultimately terminate him about 24 hours before he was able to retire and get his pension and whatnot, it's pretty clear that that was politically motivated because Trump essentially said he was going to do it ahead of time and then danced on his grave after he fired him celebrating firing him i know um, it's like if they were trying to be like oh well this inspector general report was concerning and we decided to fire him and then trump gets on twitter and is like fuck mccabe you stupid bitch you're going down like fuck fuck everybody who tries to stand against me i mean he was literally like yeah he got what was coming to him because yeah. he supported comey and his investigation i know it's and like now, and now they're both they're both been fired and it's everything is wonderful that we were just talking about what? how hard it would be to be Trump's lawyer, and stuff like this is why. So what part of this is unclear? Because well, it's not clear what the inspector general is talking about when he, in the report, they recommend that McCabe should be fired. Right. So it it's not completely inconceivable that McCabe did something actually wrong. And, it's possible, but the report right. isn't isn't public. Now, ironically, if he did, it was probably something that was in Trump's favor. Um, but, uh, you know, we don't know the details, but what the media is reporting is that um, 
Uh, he had a quote-unquote lack of candor in interviews with the Inspector General and with the FBI's like Internal Investigations Division um, regarding his role in releasing information to journalists about the investigation into Hillary Clinton's email server. Mm, so how we uh, learned about it again just days before the election, thus swinging the election. Right, which, is, uh, as I say, is, was all in Trump's favor. Now, uh, it, if it's true that he lied to investigators about his role in that, you know, that's not something that he, the deputy director of the FBI is supposed to do, and that may very well be a fireable offense. Um, so you could have a situation where someone was kind of legitimately fired, but definitely for the wrong reasons uh, and with the wrong motivations behind it and using legitimate reasons as an excuse to for a political act of revenge. So it's, it's complicated. Um, but, I mean, it, it, it's also it's, not that complicated. Well, like, it's, right. it's, but there is a pretext. It's shady that they're like, we've got this report and it suggests he should be fired, but you can't see the report. But it appears to be like a real report from the inspector general's office. I mean, they tried to get a bunch of reports before so they could fire people. And uh, yeah, I'm like just we've saying seen, we've seen this exact scenario play out where a politically motivated report is generated. It will become public and then we can see what the hell was going on. Um, and I think it definitely remains to be seen whether or not on Trump's part, this was actually a good idea. Um, you know, by firing him, he he frees McCabe up to to talk, um, more or less. Um, I mean, for one thing, it seems pretty apparent that McCabe is going to sue Trump and or uh, someone for slander. Um, right. I mean, his public statements have have straight up said that. Um, so. Uh, the more lawsuits that develop, the more of a chance there is that a discovery process could happen and Trump could get deposed. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing that in the case of uh, women who are starting to sue Trump now. Um, and courts have chosen not to throw those lawsuits out. and Because it's not official conduct. Right. So, uh, you know, as, as things proceed there... Trump may be forced to be deposed under oath, um, which could be very interesting. But that's not fair. It's a perjury trap. Yeah. Well, it's, that's only a problem. If I was you're that do was a sarcastic. Lying, you know? I should I could have made that more clear. But that's yeah. a really stupid thing for people to argue that like they're setting up a perjury trap. And one of the don't sweet, perjure yourself. One of the sweet things. Well, about it was death. like John Lovett, the guy on Pod Save America, made a good joke about this, where he was like, "It's like calling a bank a robbery trap." <laughs> Must credit John Lovett. Uh, I was just gonna say that one of the neat things about depositions is that you can question the person about a pattern of behavior. So if one woman is able to to successfully sue him and get him to that stage um, basically will allow uh, her lawyer to uh, to bring in all the other similar cases 
onto the record and ask about them under oath. Because it seems like there were a lot of uh, of these. Just, there, there was uh, just today uh, another woman, uh, Karen McDougal, a former um, Playboy Playmate, who also claims to have had an affair with Trump, announced that she's suing him. Um, and she also um, said today that Trump kept on trying to give her money after they had sex, which I thought was particularly gross. I don't have anything to add. So, Andrew, you mentioned Cambridge Analytica earlier. I did. Um, do you want to give us your thoughts on that? Um, sure. So they're a, they're a consulting company that allegedly – has a great deal of totally illicit information scraped from Facebook or procured in some other fashion uh, and have been peddling it to whoever will buy it. Like, for instance, the Trump campaign or uh, John Bolton's PAC or Russia or who even knows where. Um, and they're, are they Mercer's group? Yes, yeah, so they Cambridge were started America? by a combination of the Mercer's and Steve Bannon. Nice. A, yeah. a, a fine... Fine duo. Um, so and they've been coming under fire for having like all of this uh, data they're not supposed to have, using it for disrupting elections, which uh, they're not supposed to do, and uh, making a whole bunch of other claims on tape about uh, using prostitutes and other means to affect elections in developed countries. Um, and that's getting to Facebook, it's getting to the Trump campaign, it's getting to basically everywhere. Like, they've been involved at every step of everything that's been going on with this investigation. In my understanding. Yeah, no, I think that was a pretty good uh, summary. Um, Hashtag so, delete Facebook. Yeah, so th th this is a data operation that was started by the Mercers and Bannon. Um, and uh, as you just mentioned, apparently they at least like to brag about doing things like hiring hookers and sending them. Well, he didn't know he was on camera. <laughs> yeah, in right. his defense. Right. Yeah. He, he didn't know he was messing with the British paparazzi either. That's like a dangerous group of people. <laughs> it is. They're really good at, at eavesdropping. Yeah, but um, that the, the video is uh, not great for him. No. But apparently they've shut down the he they they fired put him. him. Yeah, well they fired him from a shell corporation with one employee, right. and they've already opened up the successor. It's called Emmer Data. Um, but the so it's doing all the same. Th all the same so, stuff is still happening. So, but you know that 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 was just him talking in theory. But what we do know definitely happened is that they um, illegally obtained. Uh, data on uh, at least 50 million uh, American voters. It's not clear to me it was illegal. I've read that um, it was illegal, but I, I'm not sure. Of the it, right, it, it seems like a bunch it, of gray it, areas. It, okay, the best case scenario is that, it, terms is that it violated... Right, Actually, it, it might not even have done that, because apparently the terms of service do have a part that tells you that your friends can have access to your data like when you accept a friend you know i'm not trying to i mean you know screw facebook but it's a really interesting thing because it's one of these areas where i don't think our laws are really up to date with like what's 
in the yeah, world. That's definitely true. You know, because so Facebook's terms of service apparently said that this might happen, and I'm not sure there are any laws governing the use of. Well, Facebook seems not to so think much that it violated their terms of service because they suspended all their accounts, right? I think one Facebook seems to perceive that this is a very, very bad look for them. Which is because it's a very bad look for yeah, them. Yeah, it's terrible. Well, no, the reason that the, the terms of service violation is that this guy said it was for academic purposes because he was a professor at university, but then he took all the data and put it on a server and then gave it to Cambridge Analytica for seemingly commercial purposes, although it actually looks more like political purposes. Yeah, and apparently they were doing this quite early on. Um, there are some reports that... Well, they've been working on it for a long time, accumulating yeah, but, this information. And that they were they were doing, uh, like, some tests. Like, in 2014, they were testing phrases like drain the swamp and make America great again. And a lot of the slogans that Trump started using um, uh, on Facebook um, and generating these profiles of voters, which allowed them to use so-called like micro-targeting uh, data to target voters in um, specific states, which apparently worked pretty well for them. Um, well, I mean, yeah. I, I the interesting thing that's come out of this to me is that it seems to have sensitized people to how Facebook is not a trustworthy steward of your personal information. Like, that's been the most concrete consequence that I've seen. Yeah, they make Google look really moral. Well, no, I mean, I've known this for a long time, but I feel like it's really penetrating the zeitgeist. Well, it's really one of the, like, there's there's not even any such thing as a good shepherd of your personal data. Like, if it's out there, it's discoverable, and it's out there, there there's that sort of the issue that I think. Well, I'm, I'm not sure I totally agree don't know with if that. I, yeah, I'm not sure I do either. I mean, for, you know, like uh, take for experience. Take, there's better be and worse to that. Well, experience. No, you're listing people all the way at one end of the gradient. Right. But people like, who people who had security breaches. I mean, if your if your information is exists and is reachable, it's gettable, and then you're compromised. Well, I still don't completely agree. I mean, the, it's it, a sort of it, it, it's it's all it's about regulation um, with like nearly anything else. So for instance, take your health data. Um, you know, we're moving correctly towards uh, full electronic medical records. Um, and we ought to have a national health service like in UK or Canada um, with a national EMR. But we also have very well-developed regulations dealing with um, privacy related to health data. Um, with things like HIPAA and the the technology that is required um, on all EMR systems, here, here. and so that you, I mean, your health data is definitely in computer somewhere, Andrew, and um, right, I people are not point, stealing it. The thing I would just say is, Facebook's system was clearly working as intended. Like you could you can do better than they were doing because it was clearly part of their business model to make this information available to people who built apps on their platform. 
Whereas sure. you, it's a literal service they were providing. Yeah, exactly. So I'm saying there's a big difference between like yes, it is true that you know there have been hacks. Like there were hacks of the security clearance database. You remember that a few years ago, and so like. It is true in a certain sense that any information that you collect and store anywhere is vulnerable, but there's different levels of vulnerability. And in this case, not only was Facebook not trying to protect it, they were trying to sell it to people for money. Sure. I mean, regulation is super important. And like, we should Europe, nationalize Europe Facebook. I don't more screw regulation. It should become a nationalized I mean, entity. Everyone's checking account is available online, right? I mean, like you're and and bad shit. So what are, what are we talking like about here? We're doing Cambridge Analytica. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm tired of answering the question. Th- yeah. What's the theoretical possibility of data protection on the internet? <laughs> um, it remains to be seen. But in terms of this more specific thing, my worry is that Cambridge Analytica is going to scurry into the shadows and like rename all its shell corporations and wait six months and then just continue doing all the same stuff as usual. Uh, yeah, that seems like a real serious concern. I mean, if we had a legitimate Congress that was legitimately interested in protecting the Republic, they would be passing all sorts of regulatory legislation at the moment. um, They could also punish Equifax, Andrew, as you mentioned. You know, there's a lot of good stuff. Imagining a functional government, it almost makes me too sad to continue because there'd be so many things they could do to help. Yeah, Wells Fargo is another one that they should have been punished much more. Um, well, but they're a bank. I mean, you know, you got to have banks. I'm just really I'm doing my Paul Ryan analysis. impersonation, like well, sidle away from podium. Yeah, it's not like the Democrats have been so spectacular on banks recently. Either. Come on, man, don't do that. Don't help them. I'll put Elizabeth Warren up against any of their people. I'm not talking about her. I know, but when you. What's the what's the tactical benefit of you being like, well, the Democrats, I mean, fuck also them. Everyone vote for Jill Stein. Well, since no, they're listening, I'm not they'll, they'll have to move to the left to uh, to accommodate us. But our side should still behave properly. People should... I believe that a Democratic majority in Congress is more likely to pass better, incrementally better regulations for the banking industry. I so I reject that. the premise that there's a equivalence i'm not saying there's an equivalence just that we're watching and do better yeah joe biden they used to call joe biden the d hyphen credit cards remember when he was such a big he protected them from all that regulation he did i'm saying now this he's to gonna hurt get you, punched ben. in the face by uh donald trump he's gonna, I, get, he's gonna punch you so in the stupid. face Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's childish. Yeah, no, the whole, we don't do our government by who wins fights. Yeah, well, it, the whole thing is childish. I, I mean, I'm you know I love love JB, but it, it, he should stop talking about how he wants to beat him up. I'd like to see him debate Trump. That would not go. Yeah, well. that would be that would be excellent. Um, so I think we're probably not going to carry on too much longer, but there are a couple other things. Perhaps yeah, we gotta we gotta be t- t- wrapping it up. Let's do some lightning style wrap ups. Yeah. So we had our our weekly school shooting, uh, this time in Maryland, um, and and this time the school resource officer uh, did his job, I guess, and went in and shot the child to death. I mean, I I 
I don't love putting it that way. I would be even happier if nobody got shot or had a gun. I, that was sort of my yeah. point, um, which is that this, I mean, it is his job, but I mean, particularly right-wing media uh, and the NRA and Fox News is lionizing this school police officer now for shooting this 17-year-old kid who came to school with a gun. Um, right, and the whole situation is just awful. If that kid never had a gun in the first place, then nobody would have needed to shoot anyone. I mean, yep. we, we, sh- we shouldn't be celebrating children being shot under any circumstance. I mean, I, you know, obviously this kid had some problems and shouldn't have had access to freaking guns. Totally. hundred 100%. Agree. I have nothing uh, to add. It's a bummer. Let's do some more lightning. Yeah. That was really the only thing that I had to mention. We already talked about former Playboy model Karen McDougal. I want to know what you think of Cynthia Nixon's primary run against Andrew Cuomo. (laughs) Andrew, what do you think? Uh, I don't know. I I don't have any serious opinion. You're like, pass. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't have any very well-formed opinions on it at this point. I got two Uh, opinions, but oh, did I interrupt you? I'll say I I'm not a very big fan of Andrew Cuomo. No. Um. One. Uh. And while I don't think that Cynthia Nixon, as of yet, has demonstrated why she's qualified to be the governor of New York, Christine country, Quinn called her an unqualified so. lesbian. So that's a good segue to my two opinions. Number one, yeah. I think it's always good to pull people to the left. I mean, we're, there's no risk of a Republican winning the governor's race in New York, so we're, there, we can do this and it's fine. Well, I, I wouldn't go that far. We, what are you have, talk, who, have, is there even going to be a Republican candidate? I mean, George Pataki was the two-term governor. No, I know. Two governors. But, look, I mean. I'm talking about specifically the 2018 election. It seems unlikely. It seems pretty unlikely. So yeah. there's a there's a space for some pulling to the left, which I think is going to be what this does, which is good. And then yeah. my second opinion is like I am impressed in a bad way with how poor Andrew Cuomo's response to this this <laughs> this totally predictable event that should be trivially easy for him to deal with. Instead, he's completely botched his communication strategy by having one of his surrogates criticize her in using her sexual orientation which is really stupid and he talked about like how she's a celebrity and he hopes that brad pitt and angelina jolie don't enter the race and i was i just thought that was such poor comms like there's a much there are much better ways he could attack her what i mean if he has to say something he should say look i've been governor for four years and she was she's an actor with some activism that she take seriously and that's laudable but in terms of who should be governor i would be a better governor is that so hard just say that maybe you should be no but it's just really stupid i mean having christine quinn go out there and and it was just really dumb it just was amazingly dumb that's really all i have to say about it (laughs) well christine quinn is about as good a politician as andrew cuomo he's mad because she was supposed to get to be mayor and instead bill de blasio got to be mayor well, and so she works for the person who hates Bill de Blasio as much as she does. Yeah, I understand all that. But even <laughs> so, this is like child-level political errors they're making. 
Well, New York politics has, for the last several years, has more or less been at a child level. I understand that, but I. It's like if he, if his if he's that bad at this, maybe he deserves to lose. You know, like. Hey, you know what? I think it's good in this sense. I think that. Uh, the poor showing that he will have in terms of his political skills against Cynthia Nixon. Maybe it'll keep him from running for president. Yes. Yeah, it which is it that's good because we got that. That's a waste of everyone's time and money. Because he clearly him. wants to do that. Of course he does, and he th- he's got this whole thing in his mind where he's like, "Oh, I'll be like a centrist, but with progressive credentials because I'm from New York." And it's like, Andrew, sh- just no, stop it. No, look, he's like a bully, and he's over-tanned. He's, like, perfect for the president. Right? Well, no, he's a sellout and a wimp. <laughs> well, it's pathetic, because his, his dad was actually kind of the opposite. I mean, he was... Although his dad never got to be a presidential candidate either. Well, he, But he would have been a better For different one. reasons. For different reasons. He was the front-runner um, mm. in multiple times. He would have been the front-runner, including in 1992, um and he would go back and forth about whether or not he was going to enter the race, and he hired full teams and so on, and everyone expected him to run, and then at the very last second, he announced he wasn't going to. But, oh. it, was that, but it was a situation where he was to the left of the party, whereas, yeah. whereas Andrew Cuomo, Cuomo is, is, to the to, right. is to the right of the party. It is a waste of New York to have a weird right-wing Democrat as our governor when we should have a real lefty I'm uh, pretending yeah, that upstate I mean, doesn't exist for the purpose of this example. Right. I mean, if, if you're going to run moderate Democrats, do it in places like Pennsylvania 18, right? Anyway. So so I, I added Con- that to Con- the Connor agenda. Lamb is now officially a member of the House, by the way. Rick Saccone did finally concede after a week. Connor Lamb officially became a member when he won the election. I believe, uh, what's the child, the, the rape yeah, guy? He, the Roy Moore. Oh, it's Roy has Moore. He, he hasn't conceded. I'm sure he's still sending out fundraising yeah, emails, right. being like, our, our struggle <laughs> against the forces of mathematics continues. Oh, Give I've got money. a. I have a legitimate lightning round thing that is that is good. That's good. We're way over time, so it's good. Um, which is that the Supreme Court declined to hear um, the case related to Pennsylvania re redistricting back. Yeah, to that's what they should. I mean, that's good news, but it's also what they should have done the whole. If they hadn't done it, it would have been a huge news because it would have been weird and not right. Right. But consequently, we will have more fair districts in Pennsylvania in November, which should lead to... Look forward um, to Republicans whining about it endlessly about how it's not fair that their un, that their gerrymander was knocked down. Well, to be clear about it, we went from a situation where in order it's to... It's an overwhelming even, GOP gerrymander to now it's just a mild GOP right. it gerrymander. It was like Republican plus 11 before yeah. and now it's like Republican plus 3. And they're going to totally... You know, though, I mean, you know I'm right. They're going to be on Fox News being like, this power grab you know all that oh totally well they know all those words because that's what they did they just they got yeah right they're like this is the kind of stuff that's okay when we do it they got a little too greedy with the gerrymander a little if they they had just been like a touch more subtle about it well that's probably they probably could have gotten away with it completely andrew do you have any opinions about the pennsylvania gerrymandering case I don't, but I'm glad that I read that uh, Scott Walker's being forced to actually re-elect someone in the... Uh, oh, they're making him have those special elections that yeah, he's yes. constitutionally obligated to have, but was just yeah. choosing not to? Yes. Because he was busy washing his car. 
Um, we did also get the first batch of. We do have to end data. the podcast at some point pretty okay. soon. This will this will be my last point then. Uh, we did we got the first batch of public polling data on the. Uh, yes. Democratic held Senate seats. Yeah. You know what that I'm are saying. up for re-election in November, um, and it, we're very far out, and and so on. But the polling data all looked very good from a Democratic. No polls. Organize. Give money. So I was. Well, polls are in, interesting. Everyone has only to vote. In so much as they are related to the thing that matters, which is voting. I don't. They're not. I've I've like gone all the way over to the other end of this one where I'm like we should just stop polling and stop paying any attention to polls. Be, we should just vote as hard as ever. Like everyone needs to vote every election forever until the end of time. Because I think the polling people have started to treat it as like a people will make decisions where they're like oh I don't need to vote because it's already going to be okay. We you need think Australia style mandatory voting. I think well, that's the case after the last couple of uh, elections where polls seemingly. I don't. I don't think right. there's any benefit to us to talk about polls. <laughs> what? Because okay. I believe that my strategy would have a good outcome if you compared it to other ones. Because it's don't well, spend I any time then, with polls. I think we should just take your strategy as, as Andrew says to the logical outcome, which is give, mandatory voting. Give Randy Bryce money. Mandatory. Voter registration. Oh my God! Are you? Voting. Yes, we should do all these things. We've got a bunch of Confederates running around trying to destroy America, and they're not going to let us do any of that. So we got to win the elections first, then have that's true. Move we do have voting to... in person to Saturday. Do vote by mail. Everybody has to have an auditable paper trail. I mean, you know, you we mean, could do this whole list from memory. We shouldn't vote on on Tuesdays when black people have to work and can't vote. Oh my God! Everybody has to work. No, we should. Are you trying to? What are you trying to do? <laughs> Tune in for our special three-hour "How We Need to Change the Voting System" episode to learn more. Need more. We hours. are going to have our midterm special. We we are. Yeah. If we're, I mean, look, we're all going to be dead by then. John Bolton's going to have us in a nuclear holocaust. Ho- hopefully, John Bolton will get his mustache caught in a shredder or something. And that's uh... a that's a, that's a baroque <laughs> thing to wish on somebody. <laughs> Just so that his mustache gets trimmed. That's to be There's clear. easier ways to trim a mustache. That's what that saying is about. Yes, that's. <laughs> hey, we got to stop the show. Let's stop. Um, so on that note, thank you f- for listening to Sanity Check. Make sure to join us again next week. And if you like what you heard, you can subscribe at iTunes, at the Google Play Store, or at SanityCheckPod.com. And in the meantime, keep resisting and persisting. <laughs> <laughs>